Hi, everyone. Welcome back to my domain, the far out universe where I talk about talk to some far out people about everything under the sun. I hope that all of you are having a wonderful day. Remember to breathe in and breathe out. Before I let you guys go, Foul is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, and all podcast players absolutely free. Foul is on YouTube. However, some episodes are missing. I would do everything in my power to stop lagging and start putting it up. I'm really just waiting for a thumbnail to be made. I want to focus on YouTube on commentary that I see in the matrix and surrounding me and, and, and pretty much just word vomit what I think about it. Now to our sponsor. Rebecca Igen, an astrologer for 25 plus years, specializes in relationship from everyday decisions to critical life-altering moments. Rebecca shares with you her practical wisdom and guidance for your life's journey in becoming who you're meant to be. Using Jungian psychology, Rebecca guides you to see the potential that hides in your hidden self, your shadow. Sign up now for the Shadow Work and 7th House webinar or have a private consultation and find out how the universe has always had your back. You just didn't know, know it. Remember guys, when you guys sign up, go to shadowdance.com. Go to the bottom and say that Boon Him sent you. Because if you guys do that, it really helps out. It helps the sponsor and it helps me. Are you a podcaster looking for a hosting site? Try Podbeam. They offer unlimited hosting plans and business plans, which I will link down below. Doing so helps support the Far Out Wisdom podcast. The unlimited hosting plans, make sure you go to www.podbeam.com forward slash foul f-o-w and the business hosting plan at www.popbean.com forward slash pro forward slash foul f-o-w like i said i will link all the information down below so you guys can do that as well remember to follow foul and also all my my stuff to donate is down below your contribution to foul helps me update my equipment and pay for software to assist in better quality Okay, now to our guest is Randall Straub. He is the host of Nalini uh, Globe podcast. Uh, Nalini Globe, uh, it's pretty much like a platform to discuss and educate the public on basic human rights, current events, and features extensive conversation on masculinity, martial arts, and love for international cultures. And Randall, yes, I, <laughs> if he's listening to this, yes, I got this from his podcast. Um, so, you know, he, the, the, he, Randall talked to feature the likes of high-level combat sports such as UFC legend Chung Lee and Muay Thai champion Kevin the Soul Assassin Ross. And if you guys don't know who Kevin Ross is, he is the boyfriend of Gino, Gina, not Gino, I'm sorry, Gina Carano. So that's, I, I think that's the big, uh, Kevin Ross is seen on the Joe Rogan podcast as well. We talk about the Khmer Rouge, masculine, feminine, the combination of chaos and order within us, MMA, kung fu movies, and basically <laughs> everything under the sun. So if you enjoyed this conversation like I did, make sure to love, like, share, foul, and share with everybody, including your nana. Who knows? Maybe she likes talking about some weed and psilocybin or something. So as always, guys, stay far out. Bye.
my audio quality decent? Uh, you're going to be fine. It's Zoom. Zoom's audio is like really good. So it's recording at the moment. We're just going to have random conversation, but um, it, it's on Zoom. And like I said, this is my first time using it. Uh, well, a couple of times and the audio is fantastic on Zoom. And I, the CCP, if you're listening to this, great job. Great job, Communist Party of China. Great job. <laughs> so, <laughs> <clears throat> so how are you today, Randall? B- before we begin um, with this conversation, Randall, can you tell um, the audience who you are? Just a little bit of information yes. about you. Well, uh, my name is Randall Stroud, and I'm 33 years old. Grew up in the United States, but most people know me as um, a martial artist. Uh, that, that was my first love. You know, I got picked on a lot being a white kid that grew up in a a mostly, you know, black slash, you know, um, Cambodian community. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, martial arts sort of got me interested in studying other cultures and other philosophies. I mean, I've written books on the subject and I've always just been kind of a free thinker and a rebellious person. I've I've led protest movements. I've uh, ran for public office. And you can pretty much just Google my name, and there's plenty of uh, things to research right there that'll come up for you. So I'm just all around a, um, a self-described, uh, interesting, intellectual kind of guy, and I've had a ton of experiences. Mm-hmm. I've uh, traveled around the country talking about uh, father's rights. I've uh, you know spoken to the Congress about masculinity and these sort of issues. So I'm kind of a bit of a renaissance man. I've, I've, you know, done a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess that'd be the, the easiest way to uh, describe me is I'm, I'm kind of a jack of all trades. Yeah, but, uh, really, but, like a philosopher too. Yeah. But, you know, martial arts is the one thing that has always brought me back to my center, whether it's uh, suffering a job loss or going through a breakup or whatever it is, uh, just, you know, trying to master your 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 mental aspect and your physical body is something that has always been a, a saving grace for me as well so the, mm-hmm. i mean i i could do a two-hour podcast just on talking about the martial arts and the evolution the philosophies behind it mm-hmm. oh yeah we he, he's gonna make a lot of appearance and uh to give you guys like kind of like a, a background information about how me and randall met we met through francis uh, the ranking podcast. And if you guys don't have, if you guys have the opportunity, check his podcast out because that guy is the most nuanced Stalinist, actually, <laughs> dude, that you can have a conversation yeah. with. And that's how I met you. So, um, tell us a little bit about your podcast, a little bit about uh, that. Well, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, me and a Cambodian friend of mine, we started this organization called Nalini Global. And Nalini is sort of this uh, this term that pays homage to uh, a Buddhist principle of mm-hmm. the lotus flower. You know, um, mm-hmm. the lotus flower is buried in the mud and it goes through all these, you know, uh, difficult processes to go up through the water and through the sun and becomes this beautiful flower. So we call it Nalini Global, you know, the, the, the struggle for the entire globe. And we had raised some money. And did some things, uh, you know, to send over to some villages in Cambodia to help out. But the the partner, the person I was working with at the time, uh, you know, we sort of had a falling out 
we had a, a different vision on where we wanted it to go. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just continued it. And I was like, well, I can use this as a platform to sort of talk about all of my passions, you know, martial arts and politics. And, and uh, you know, I am a supporter of, of masculinity. I, I think that we need more of that in this country. Mm-hmm. But then also getting people more culturally, culturally aware, because I think that uh, especially many Americans, they have something in common with the Chinese. They think that they're the center of the universe. Right. <laughs> and, right. and, and um, so I have a lot of friends that are from different places, you know, uh, Korea, Japan, uh, the Philippines, Mexico. I mean, most of my friends, I would say 75% of them are probably from other countries, their first generation or second generation immigrants and it's just so cool hanging out with them and just learning their ways of life and I want to share all of these lessons that I've learned and that's sort of what my podcast Nalini Global is is a culmination of all my experiences and congealing it together and presenting Mm -hmm. it to my listeners exactly so um have you uh take a trip to Cambodia I think you have right no I've never been to Cambodia um you know because of these coronavirus lockdowns and everything, you know, a lot of travel plans will be put on hold, but I definitely hope to do some, uh, some more international travel before I, I leave this, this earth. Yeah. That, that's, that's the same thing that I want to do it. And like, I have been talking to my, uh, talking to my husband, Jeremy to um, go live in Cambodia because the fact that dude, the freaking property there is so cheap. You know, it's like, um, <clears throat> I think for $44,000 US dollars and convert it to real in, in Cambodian um, money, uh, you can get like three-story mansions and stuff like that. But the, the thing, the difference between the, the countries is that um, the, the I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for free speech and you can't have that in Cambodia. Well, well you can, you can, yeah. you can be um, critic. Uh, critical of, of other governments but if you talk about bad about the government of Hun Sang, then you're it's not going to look good on you so <clears throat> i had a podcast that i was supposed to do with an ex-marxist and i couldn't because he lives in cambodia so it's very difficult for him mm-hmm. to come on because he's very critical of the khmer rouge so you know about the khmer rouge and you know my audience yeah. know who they are um and um that's interesting that you grew up around cambodians were they uh refugees as in victims of the war or were they the perpetrators like the Khmer Rouge, like my father? Do you know that? No, the, no? The, the, they, 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 they were victims. They were, they were people who were fleeing for their lives. Yeah, definitely. And it was a very brutal regime. And um, <clears throat> I, I got my, my, you have, you follow me on IG. And if you guys uh, can, you can follow both of us on uh, Instagram you see a lot a lot of our faces okay um but i bought a, a, a krama <clears throat> it's like a conditional Cambodian scarf and i bought a red one and the red krama or the red scarf as you know um randall it's uh it's pretty much the symbol of the khmer rouge and what they wore and that was the farmer um <clears throat> the working class of what they they wore out in the fields and that's pretty much what pol pot wanted to do he wanted people to the new people quote unquote to go to the fields and work um and I wear this because, you know, like Jesus Christ, as you know, Randall, um, he carried the cross. He carried the burden of the sins of the people and stuff like that. That's pretty much what I'm doing to my message. My podcast, too, is to educate people about the Khmer Rouge. And as a child of a Rouge, um, 
it's my payment back to the universe to for for my sins. Well, for my father's sins. And that's pretty much how I feel. Of course, if I would have met the Cambodian that you grew up with, they, they probably will forgive me. But in my mindset, I feel like this is my duty to pay forth, say sorry for what my father did. You know what I mean? Because in the Cambodian culture, as you know, Randall, we believe in karma. Um, and, and pretty yes. much like like um, everything that you do, it goes back to the generation over. And um, <clears throat> I always felt that um, with, you know, because I, I suffer from a lot of mental illnesses as well. And this is pro- probably possibly um, if, if you've ever heard the term that um, that trauma can pass on to their kids. And pretty much that's how I feel. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like um, every single day I feel like post-traumatic stress disorder and I have never been in war ever. And, you know, I wake up every day, inches, OCD, depression, stuff like that. And I feel like uh, my sufferings have made me stronger and made me more talkative, it made me more humble. But at the same time, people don't see the the boon behind the scenes. And so I stopped complaining about my sufferings and kind of embrace it because I feel like this is my my way of paying back to what my dad did, you know, under the regime. And of course, some people can make the argument that they don't know that he didn't know because he was forced to do these things, you, you know, that's pretty much what communists do. I mean, if you don't do what they say, well, guess what? You're going to get a bullet into your brain. You know what I mean? So that's my well, rant. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 there's there's a lot to unpack with everything that you said there. So first off, I'll address what you were talking about with. So, so you, your father was a member of the Khmer Rouge, correct? Oh, correct. And so he uh, fought uh, side by side with Pol Pot in the jungle. Yeah. I think he was protecting me. Well, well, just like in our current military and, and, you know, I, I, like I said, I have a lot of friends who were, who were refugees uh, fleeing from that situation in Cambodia, but, you know, and we have conversations about this, even to this day, I'm still in contact with many of my Cambodian friends. Correct. Mm -hmm. And even, even with our, our current military in the United States, why do most people join the military? Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll give you all these benefits. You know, we'll give you a free education, That's uh, a true. house and this and this. So some of my Cambodian friends, and maybe this will make you feel slightly better, but I, I've asked them that question, like, well, how do you feel about those former soldiers who were in the Khmer Rouge, mm-hmm. but they regret it? And they were like, some of them are very angry. They're like, oh, screw them. I hope they, you know, burn in hell. But Mm -hmm. many of them were like, hey, you know what? They're humans, too. And many of them were forced by the gun in one way or another to join or they were simply uh, just, you know, misinformed. It was like, hey, join this movement. Oh, it sounds like a great deal. But then once you're once you're in it, it's hard to get out. Just like I'm not going to say I'm not going to say any names, but I have friends right now who are in the military and they say it's the best decision they ever made. And right. I have some other friends who who tell me it's the worst decision they ever made and they can't wait to get out. Mm-hmm. But once you're in the military or any sort of uh, armed movement, it's not the easiest thing to to speak up and say, hey, general, I don't agree with what's going on, because then you end up dead or in a military prison. Right. You know, right. right. And um, if you guys have a chance, um, <clears throat> check out the documentary, I believe it's called. um and car awakens it's on amazon it's on hulu i believe and it's on netflix it pretty much it showed a soldier who escaped to the thai border and that's pretty much what my parents did they escaped to the thai border and um 
he said, I understood he was in, in an interview and he told the journalist, he told the reporter, I joined this movement because I thought it was going to bring us justice. But when the killing started, I had to leave. So he made the decision to to leave. And that's pretty much what my mom and dad did. Because <clears throat> you can't leave. If if you leave, it's like a uh, a betrayal to Ankar. So Ankar is pretty much like the fascist, what they saw at the state. If you betray them, that's it's like the collective. You, you betray the collective's principles, values, pretty much just um, stab in the back. And they will kill you for that. So... Um, yeah, totally understand what what you're trying to say. And like with with the military, um, I was about to join myself, but then I changed my mind because the fact that um, in 2000, I think you talked with Francis about uh, voting for Ron Paul, the revolution movement, um, and uh, me too as well. I've I became a libertarian for quite some time because of the fact that um, when I've, I first started, when I think you and I are the same age, was Obama, right? It was our first real election yes. was Obama. And then I saw the, you know, the war and I said, no, <laughs> I was like, I, this is not. And, and, and to give you guys a little bit, uh, kind of what's happening right now, currently, uh, Biden, um, more bombs drop bombs there. over Syria. <laughs> and we haven't hey, Biden. You owe me two grand, man. <laughs> so you, owe two grand, you know, $2,000, man. And so, but, well, the, the, there was something else I wanted to touch on, too, is mm-hmm. you were mentioning mental illness and PTSD. Right. Um, you don't have to be in the military to suffer from PTSD. If, if you That's Google true. my name, mm-hmm. Randall Stroud, one of the first articles that will come up is an article from a local news station where I, where I live. Um, a bullet actually grazed the back of my head back in November. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was walking down the street and um, there was these two black guys who mm-hmm. were holding Bibles and they were, you know, saying that Asians and white people can't go to heaven and blacks are the true Jews. Oh, wow. Were they the black Israelites? Is that who they were? Yes. OK. Yes. Okay. The black Hebrew Israelites. Yeah. So so I start arguing with these guys and, and there's a crowd of people behind them, you know, and they're sort of, you know, supporting them. And then somebody in the crowd got into an argument, pulled out a gun and started shooting and eight people got hit. Uh, and then I was one of the, the only ones, you know, the lucky guy, the bullet merely scraped the back of my head. Had that bullet moved over just an inch, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Uh, yeah. And just growing up and, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a, uh, a pretty dangerous neighborhood for the most part. I mean, it's been gentrified now, but right. 20 years ago the neighborhood that I grew up in. I mean, it was just like poor white kids, poor black kids and poor mm-hmm. Cambodians. And, um, you know, and now that I'm 33 years old, all the experiences that, that I've been through, um, I, I've, I've walked in, in the middle of stores being robbed and just growing up in this environment, those things have residual effects on you. So you don't have to have a military uniform to be um, affected. I mean, people commit suicide over getting a divorce, you know, mm-hmm. um, trauma comes in all kinds of shapes and forms and sizes. So, um, so PTSD doesn't discriminate against you know That's any true. sort of people going through trauma out there. I, I just wanted to touch on that and sort of just share my experience with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trauma can uh, last a, a very long time. And I was going to therapy for it, and um, there is a program that they use to kind of 
um, reprogram your brain. Um, and that's pretty much what they're doing. And so me, I have been open about my, my, my trauma and stuff like that. And, um, I chose to do psychedelics to kind of, you know, try that out because, you know, like I was on antidepressants for quite some time and it really made me feel like a zombie. And you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, it just, it's, it's just not natural for me. And, and, and look, I'm going to, I'm going to make this clear. If you are taking antidepressants at the moment, you're listening to this, continue to do so. It's very dangerous if you stop taking your medication because it's going to lead you to places you don't want to be. So, um, but I want to try that out. And um, my parents, you know, being there, they weren't even boomer status. They were like the, the generation before the boomers because they were villagers. They don't understand mm. Uh, Western medication. They don't understand any of that. I mean, if you have um, a mental illness that you go to the doctor or they believe you're an exorcist, they, 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 they exercise you, you know what I mean? And right. my, my family were all, sh- um, my, my mom's side, my, my grandfather, who, who's, who was Laos, actually, he was a shaman and my great grandfather before that was a shaman. And so we practice um, our family line practice magic. And stuff like that, spirituality and stuff like that. Like, <clears throat> we don't believe in medication made by man, but by God, which is the nature of things. So that's what I think how I feel like I'm brought onto the earth for. I don't know my purpose or anything like that, but that's how I feel. Like, I'm I'm more, I'm very empathic. So pretty much I feel anything that you feel. Like, rattle, if you're anxious, I will feel your anxiety. If somebody's hurt, I can feel their hurt, their pain and stuff like that. I know that sounds really silly, but that's just... no my way of feeling you and understanding you. That's why I attract a lot of philosophical people like yourself, spiritual people, people who are very deep thinkers. And so that's my circle. And so maybe possibly I don't have depression. Maybe it's just me being feeling other people's emotion. I don't know. Well, well, I want to, I want to chime in real quick. Have you ever heard of this term called depressive realism? Mm -mm. So it's a term that is very controversial and most psychologists don't recognize it, but I, I totally recognize it. So there was a psychologist, I can't remember his name. I'm sure a, a simple Google search of the term depressive realism, you can you know find plenty of information, but it basically means it's this theory that the reason why some people are depressed is because they simply understand too much. Right. And it brings me back to the, it brings me back to the Bible in the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, a book that was written by King Solomon, who, according to Christians, is the wisest man who has ever lived. In the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a verse in there that says those who increase their knowledge increase their sorrow. Mm, yeah. You know, and then so that's sort of what the term depressive uh, realism is based off of is. You're not depressed. You just see the 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 mechanisms behind everything. So like a normal person, they'll go to McDonald's and they'll order a Big Mac and they'll eat it and enjoy it. But someone who has depressive realism, they see that Big Mac and they're like, yep, there's GMOs. There's you mm-hmm. know 3000 uh, milligrams of sodium. That thing is horrible for you or someone with depressive realism. They'll go to a football game and be like, yep, you know, the, the, the government is subsidizing this event right now and wasting our right. tax dollars while everyone else is just mind, mindlessly enjoying it. Right. You know? And I totally agree. So I, per- I, yeah. Go ahead. So, so, so perhaps, you know, especially nowadays where we're, we're bombarded with information 
and we can literally uh, get addicted to information. I mean, sometimes I sit on my phone for hours just reading Wikipedia articles about, you know, uh, gravitational fields. And I'm like, why am I reading about gravitational fields? <laughs> yeah. Like this is like, <laughs> this is not my job or my course of study, but, but, you know, nowadays we are addicted to just knowing things. And I think it's cool, but on the other hand, it's sort of, uh, you know, um, can suck us into these dark holes of where perhaps we know a little too much and right. it takes the, the, the joy and wonder that we had whenever we were children where we could just enjoy, you know, playing with a balloon and it didn't have right. to be this complicated thing, you know? Right. We're millennials, by the way, we, we were in the generation where we were raised old school with new school. So we were like stuck yes. in between with um, bipolar <laughs> generation. <laughs> yes. And it's so, it's so uh, um, going back, adding on to what you were saying, it's it's like information overload. Like we're consuming so yeah. much junk. It's like our mind. It's like with, with social media. So I'm cutting back on my social media and I feel like it's kind of necessary to have you are a podcaster. But at the same time, it's best if you don't engage with a bad comment or anything like that and kind of kind of unplug yourself a little bit and enjoy nature a little bit more of reality as is. And so. Um, with me, how I, I like the fact that you brought up depressive realism and I, I googly goo it real quick. And so depressive realism, um, this is on Wikipedia. It's a hypothe- hypothesis developed by Lauren Alloyd and Lynn Yvonne Aberson that depressed individuals make more realistic interference than non-depressed individuals. Although depressed individuals are thought to have a negative cognitive bias that results in recurrent negative automatic thoughts, maladaptive behaviors, and dysfunctional world beliefs, depressive, depressive realism argues not only that this negatively may reflect a more accurate appraisal of the world, but uh, also that non-depressed individuals' appraisals are possibly biased. So I, I totally understand what you're saying. Like, I look at the world, and I'm looking at the trees and stuff, I'm like... I was like, oh my God, you're going to die pretty soon. <laughs> it's like, I was like, you're going to die pretty yeah. soon because, because I go, <clears throat> I'm looking at people like, um, I can't seem to enjoy public places because I'm looking at the world as is it, as is, is. And I, I like the fact that you brought up about GMOs. I'm like, you just, you're eating an animal mm-hmm. that just got slaughtered. You're eating something from China. <laughs> like, I, was like, yeah. I was like, I go, I go, we are operating on a world made in china at the moment and i'm pretty sure that the microphone that i'm speaking is from a slave i think about these things and it's like it's ridiculous that i'm thinking about these things but at the same time maybe possibly i'm just a realist and i just see the world as is you know what i mean and so that's the thing that's that's why i refuse to take medication and more i want to kind of explore psychedelics and stuff to kind of fix my brain maybe it's not broken maybe i'm just i'm just too realistic you know so, so have you delved into psychedelics at all? Or uh, Well, I talk about it a lot and um, I'm in the process of getting the hell out of California. Right? Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm like, I want to try it out because I, I like trying new things. I like talking to new people and stuff like that. I like to explore. So I was like, you know what? Let me try it real quick. Let's see. You know, well, I, I've, I, I've delved into it when I was in my, you know, early twenties, like 1920. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I actually went on a vision quest uh, for people that don't know what that is. Um, it's sort of like a Native American ritual that's specific to certain tribes. But mm-hmm. um, I, I met a friend at one of my jobs back then. 
he was, you know, um, half uh, Lakota and half, uh, you know, his uh, mother was just a typical, you know, I guess, white European ancestry American. But mm-hmm. uh, I went to a vision quest uh, ceremony with him and you basically can't eat or sleep for several days in a row and you do lots of hiking and physical exercise oh, wow. and they bring mm-hmm. you to the po- and they bring you to the point of collapse and then they gave me some salvia mm-hmm. you know which is an, uh, a psychedelic herb and then they made me drink this tea I don't know what was in it um, but I, I definitely had a vision my parents had been divorced for a couple of years at that point. And I, and my dad sort of went MIA for a little while and I was worried about him. And I had this pretty crazy experience. Like I, I literally went inside of my own brain and I saw memories of my childhood playing out like on a movie screen theater, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it was pretty intense, but if you're going to do mushrooms and these other sort of psychedelics and these things, it also had negative experiences for me too, like residual mm-hmm. effects. Um, I, I think in some ways it sort of increased my depressive realism because it, it made me even more hyper aware of the world around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my recommendation would be if you are going to do it, um, you definitely need to be in a place where you feel calm and safe because if you do it in an environment where it's kind of unknown to you or you feel any sort of anxiety, whatever you're feeling in that moment, it's going to get amplified times like a thousand. Right. Right. So you can have, you can have what's called a bad trip and that's where you, you, you literally lose your mind. You know, you start thinking negative thoughts and those negative thoughts start, start multiplying themselves. And then all of a sudden you start hyperventilating and thinking, Oh my God, I'm about to die. And, Oh, like Someone a panic attack? Help yeah. Me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So if you're going to do it, you know, um, have people in the house with you that, you know, that you can trust and, and be in a calm, relaxing, you know, environment and, and do your homework, you know, and, right. and read about things like, you know, the, you know, vision quest and different things like that. Like psychedelics, I'm not, I'm not telling people that, oh, you have to do it. You know, if you don't do it, then you can't reach right. any sort of mm-hmm. enlightenment. I agree. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to do it or that you shouldn't do it, but if you, if, but if you are going to do it, there's definitely a, a preparation that comes with it that you should look Correct. into. I totally agree with that. And um, right at the moment I'm um, training, I'm, I'm getting my certification in a, um, uh, as an LAP and a hypnosis. So um, I, I feel like um it's my duty to, to kind of heal people because this is just my thing. And maybe you, you can, you kind of agree with me, but I like taking care of people. That's pretty much what I like yeah. to do. I like when, when I was little, I love when my sister got hurt. <clears throat> I remember one time when I was like little, I was like five years old, six years old, my sister got hurt. Um, and I pretty much just bandaged her up and I took care of her. I laid her on the bed. And I was like, you sleep now, let me take care of you. And I really enjoy it. And with the nurses that you see today, it's more like Western medical, whereas I like to, I like Eastern medicine. Um, I, that's pretty much what I focus on, like the chi, the energy and stuff like that, the seventh chakra and all that stuff. So I want to get, be a hypnosis at the fact that I really want to cure people this way, this way as well. Um, using psychedelics and stuff, basically, basically like a shaman or a shaman woman, 
um, and, and, and I, I feel more energetic when I do things that way. Does that make sense? Like when I'm podcasting, like you and I are having a conversation right now, right? And people will feel enlightened after the discussion. And that makes me feel good. That feels my purpose. That feels my heart. And I feel like the world today is that we're so, we're in a a mixed economy in here in America, like a capitalist society mixed kind of like a socialist in a way, not socialist Mm -hmm. as in like Stalin or anything like that, but we're in a mixed economy. But I feel like people are, like machine, ever we we start young in a public education setting. We are trained to go to work, listen to the boss and stuff like that. Whereas, what about the healers, like people like you and me, for example? What do we do? We don't fit into that mold, you know, going to work every day, every day, nine to five and stuff like that. We want to take care of people. Yeah. We want to take care of nature. We want to, you know. I feel like <clears throat> when I'm talking about God, um, I'm talking about multiple gods at the moment. So I feel like as being born and stuff like that. People have a purpose. I'm not really sure about destiny per se, but there's a purpose to each individual. Like you and me will make great shamans and Sha women and, and stuff like that, training the mind. Um, some people make great bosses. Some people make great workers. Some people make great artists and stuff like that. And I feel like with our society nowadays, we're programmed to believe that we are meant to do the nine to five work for your insurance, work for your retirement, work, for work, 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 work. You know what I mean? I'm not saying be a lazy ass. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that, um, we're not giving a chance to people like healers and stuff like that, em- empathic people to explore that aspect of the universe, of reality, of the the uh, dynamic of being, right? And so us, for example, we like helping people. And I sense that from you too. You know what I mean? Like you you, you care about people. You care about things. You know what I mean? Well, well in, in some ways, I, I agree with you, but I, I'll take it from a different perspective as well. Um, it's also the attitude that you carry with you. I mean, right. for example, let, let's say that you are a cashier at a McDonald's drive through window. You are still helping that person because right. they don't have to, you know, um, maybe that person's super busy and they don't have time to, to cook and make a lunch for themselves. That's true. So you are kind, so, so you are kind enough to, you know, put their food together in exchange for some money, of course, but you know, you're offering a, a service. So that's why I don't understand the concept of job shaming. That's where, true too. Mm-hmm. You know, where someone says, oh, where do you work? You know, like uh, the, the woman that I'm, uh, you know, dating uh, at one point she had just moved, you know, to the city and she was brand new and she took the first job she could get, which was at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And I remember we went somewhere to go eat and the waitress was just talking to us, you know, chit chatting. And she asked where we worked. And at the time, I think I was uh, working as a paralegal. And then she told the woman, oh, I work at McDonald's. And the woman laughed and I got really offended and we got up and left. That's and rude. I was like, I, I, I don't care what job you're doing. If right. someone's paying you, if someone's paying you to do it, then that means that society needs you to do that job. Right, right. But, and- but, but I also get what you're saying, too, because of this society that we live in where you got to pay rent. You, you know, you have to go to the store and buy groceries and pay taxes and all these things. People are working themselves to death where they don't even have uh, free time to, you know, to meditate or to practice yoga or to do things that are good for themselves. And some people are working two jobs and it's not really conducive to the way that we've been living for millions of years 
where we spent the majority of our time sitting around and talking to each other and being outside and breathing fresh air. And, and we, we live this very mechanical lifestyle now and, and it has some advantages, but you know, you can't talk about the advantages without recognizing the disadvantages. Exactly. And um, even adding just a little bit of like 15 minutes of Tai Chi guys, it will help you guys a lot. And remember to breathe. Okay. Breathing is good for you. And like, um, <clears throat> going back to the McDonald thing, I used to work for McDonald's for like three years and a uh, cool job, by the way, I had, a, I had a really good time. I met really great people and, um, I used to work at Walmart too. So I understand working. Um, I'm a working class gal. Okay. I like, work, I, you know, even though like a podcast guys, I still have a regular job that I hold to pay for my podcast. I'm not really sure <laughs> that I could like podcast full time. Does that make sense? Because I, I, I like working with my hands. You know, you know, Randall, the thing about mm. me is, is that, you know, like a lot of people always make the assumption that chicks, her, like jewelry is her best friend. You know what? If I can just own a farm and work with pigs and horses, take care of my animals, I'm happy working with my hands. Does that make sense? Like, I, like I, if, oh, yeah. if I could just <clears throat> own a farm and just like grow things, like I would be the most happiest person on the fucking planet, like taking care of horses, because, you know, think about it. I mean, the Cambodians, we were rice farmers. And I think that yeah. that kind of passed down to, to me as well, you know, through my blood, my, my, my Khmer blood. Right. And so that's what I want to do as well. Like I, the, the thought of, of having my own farm, I'll be very, very happy and content. I don't need a million dollars. I don't need any of that. If I could just have, just, well, now we're sort of delving into you know, like gender roles and femininity ah, and masculinity, yeah. masculinity, yeah, you good. know, so, so to be honest, like, you know, if we're talking about women, um, you know, if, if I'm looking at a woman, like my ideal woman is, you know, I, I don't think that I would want to be with one that was like a, a so-called like tomboy, where mm-hmm. she's just, you know, all, always in the dirt and, and, and rough and tumble and, and climbing trees mm-hmm. Um, but I also, you know, don't want to be with the woman who's like, oh my God, there's a spider. Oh, uh, you know, I, I, I broke my nail. So I, <laughs> yeah, I think that, princess, I think that, yeah. that, so I think that there's a time and a place where a woman can dress up and look elegant and she's going to a very fancy place. She's putting on a little bit of makeup, whatever, like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, she's very beautiful. But if she can also, uh, you know. Hey, I also know how to, you know, change my own oil or, or, Hey, I like to climb a tree and grab a coconut and I know how to fish. And it's like, same thing for a guy, you know, um, men should be strong. They should be protectors. They should know how to fight and defend themselves. I mean, that's part of, uh, traditional, you know, classical masculinity, but there is a time and a place where a man should, should, you know, put down his shield and, and sort of allow himself some emotional healing uh, as well. And that's usually in the presence of a woman, you know, right? Like if you ask, if you ask any man what they like most about being in a relationship or being with a woman, it's the fact that he can sort of let down that mask and, and sort of be vulnerable because when men are around other men, we have to, you know, be in that warrior mode because we might have to check that other guy. And put right. him in his place. Right. Know? Right. 
right. I totally agree. And I think there was a podcast that I did with Francis. So we're Francis and I at the ranking <clears throat> ranking podcast. If you guys have a chance, I would link that episode down below where we talk about the mas- masculine and feminine chi. So we believe that uh, Francis and I that the, the energy between masculine and feminine it's like the yin and yang. Everybody have their yin and yang within themselves. You have your good side, bad side, light, day, uh, masculine, feminine. So I pretty much am uh, kind of I'm I'm tomboyish, but at the same time I like dressing up and putting on my makeup. I like to That's go. Awesome. Yeah, I like dressing up, going to makeup, but at the same time, I feel like um, in a relationship duo or dynamic. So I'm talking about a heterosexual relationship. I'm not talking about lesbians yes. and gays or anything like that. I'm talking about men and women. So me, how in my relationship is that um, my relationship is kind of like an old school Khmer traditional relationship, uh, whereas where back in the day it was men, women, and children going out to the rice fields helping each other out so the family structure <clears throat> you need we help each other out so if the man can't do it uh then the woman goes in and help him farm if she um if he can't hunt or like he's wounded or something she goes in and hunt as well or if she gave birth then he goes and hunt for food stuff like that it's like like helping each other out and so with me i like getting dirty but at the same time i like wearing makeup I like, uh, I am a peaceful person, but I'm willing to fist fight if necessary. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? To protect my household, to protect my offspring, to protect my husband. And it's like backing up, you know, the husband and as well, because um, a lot of this idea of toxic masculinity, I think that's very dangerous to men in particular, because you're telling them that they're, um, that's like saying your feminine energy, uh, being a, fe- a female is bad. You know what I mean? Like, 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 yeah. for example, um, I like being a mom. When I was pregnant with my son, I was, I like it. It was like, I was glowing. I was bloated. I was happy. And so it was the best thing that I have, I, I ever made. And I grew up in the generation of female power and empowerment and stuff like that. But in my personal opinion, and I'm going to get attacked by feminists for saying this, you guys are, are portraying toxic masculinity. Okay. It's like, in my personal opinion, it's like a toxic version of men. Does that make sense? Being mean, aggressive, you feel like yes. The, the feminine movement, in my personal opinion, I don't know what fucking wave they're in right now, is that you are trying to fourth. remove. Yeah, is it fourth? You're trying to remove the male out of the female. Does that make sense? And I think that's very bad. Absolutely. Because it. it, it, uh, it yeah. Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. It. it, well, it in, go ahead. Oh, I'll go ahead and finish your statement. I'm sorry. It's like um. Like, I can't, I can't live without my other half. Does that make sense? And it's not a bad thing, you know, I mean, to have a masculine figure. And I respect the masculine, by the way. Um, courage, honor, confidence, warrior-like, you know, that's, that's pretty much what they attain to um, masculine, right? Men. And so <clears throat> I'm not saying women can't, can't be that, you know what I mean? Like, do you watch Star Trek, by the way? The Klingons, for example, is a good example of that. Whereas the women and the men, they serve with each other as honor and confidence. But at the same time, there's Klingons that are like, you know, women who are like very feminine Klingon, you know what I mean? And that's pretty much how I feel. Like everybody wants to be Spock, you know what I mean? But in reality, they're Klingons, you know what I mean? And so that's how I see the world. And I feel like, you know, moving the masculine out of the picture, it's going to lead to chaos. You know what I mean? Well, you know, um, there are times when a woman 
has to be masculine, you know, uh, especially if she is a single mom or, you know, or maybe her husband lost his job and he has, and she has to be the breadwinner for a while. But, you know, I'll always tell guys this, you know, so the, the ultimate male, you know, men, men show their love primarily in two ways, either through protection or through providing, you know, but, you know, if you can't do one, then you should at least be able to do the other, you know, so, you know, maybe your husband is in a wheelchair, he's not very strong, Mm -hmm. he can't protect you physically, but he has a great job, and he can provide for you very well financially, or maybe the opposite, maybe your boyfriend doesn't have a good job, or maybe he just lost his job, but he's a highly trained martial artist, and he can Mm -hmm. uh, protect you any time that you're out on the streets. And now that's not to say that a woman can't learn martial arts and she, you know, she can't protect herself, right. but let's be honest. Uh, men are naturally stronger than women. And this goes into the yes. argument of uh, trans, transgender, yeah. right. tra- transgender mm-hmm. athletes, you know, um, like Fallon Fox was a good example. Oh Fallon God. Fox was, was a man for, you know, 30 years of, of his life and that testosterone exposure men have uh have harder denser bones than than women just Mm -hmm. naturally and we carry on average even without working out the average man is at least 10 percent stronger than a woman so 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 me as a man and i've been you know i'm 33 years old i've been doing martial arts for like almost you know about 20 years now Mm -hmm. so and i weigh you know 175 right if, if, if I fought another woman in that same weight class, I would have an unfair advantage because my testosterone levels are naturally higher. And even if I started taking, you know, testosterone blockers, that testosterone has already permanently made my bones more denser and harder. Right. You know? So right. For, for, for millions of years, there has been, you know, somewhat of a gender role, you know, and the reason right. why mm-hmm. men the reason why men are, you know, mostly, you know, stronger than women physically, because think about it, it makes sense in nature. When a woman gets pregnant, she's very vulnerable. And, you know, a thousand years ago, if a woman was pregnant, there would be wolves or other tribes that were perhaps going to try to kidnap or, or rape your, your, your wife. And you had to have a spear and a strong muscles to defend your pregnant wife who right. can't even, you know, run uh, at all because she's pregnant. Have you ever seen a, a pregnant woman, like a full-blown pregnant woman, just sprint? It's not an easy <laughs> no. thing. You can do. do yoga. You can do yoga while you're pregnant, but you can't run a marathon while you're pregnant. Yes. <laughs> well, you can't. So, you can. So, so, yeah, you can't, but rare. <laughs> so, so, so all this bullshit that, oh, there's no such thing as gender roles, you know, men and women are equal men and women are not equal. And I don't say that as as a derogatory thing, right? We aren't equal. um, And that's what makes us need each other because women are naturally inclined to be better at certain things. And, and men are too now. And that's not to say that women with, you know, proper training and certain things that they can't do, you know, like like Gina Carano. Yeah. Gina Carano, for example, and you're friends with her boyfriend, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So you're friends with, uh, if you guys don't know who Gina Carano is, she just got canceled from the Disney movie and she was, she's a, she's an actress and, but she was an MMA fire first. So she and her yes. husband are both 
MMA? Is she still doing MMA or just acting? Well, um, she she did Muay Thai at first, okay. and that's how they met because uh, his, his name is Kevin Ross. Kim but Ross. then she transitioned she she transitioned into into mixed martial arts. Right. But you know, uh, uh, again, if you take Gina Carano, who was fighting, I think at like um, like a hundred and thirty pounds at, at that time. If you take a hundred and thirty pound woman who's been training in martial arts her whole life. She could probably beat up a lot of men, but if right. she fought an equally, but if she fought an equally trained man who was in her weight class, she would be at a severe disadvantage. Disadvantage, correct. I I strongly agree with that. That's like putting me, okay, it's <laughs> like a, a four foot something. I forgot. I shrunk, okay, against Ronda Rousey. I'll get my ass beat, okay. <laughs> it's like if you want well, to call it a- you, you, <laughs> yeah. you, 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 you were talking about being in California and California is a very liberal state. Yeah. And, yeah. You, you know, like I, I think in some counties you can get in trouble and you actually get fined for misgendering and not using someone's yes. correct pronouns. But, yes. but here in Tennessee, where I'm at, they're actually passing a law right now to ban you know, transgender athletes from competing in combat sports. That's you know, so like yeah, if you yeah. were born, yeah, go ahead. So, so if you were born as a male, uh, then you know you have to compete with males. You know, it doesn't. You, you can't just say, "Hey, I'm a girl now," and then just go dominate the women's division. It, it's not fair. But there is some backlash because even though Tennessee is a mostly conservative state. Uh, I mean, there are liberal pockets here, so they've been protesting and, and sort of fighting against it. And and I just want to clarify that even though I do consider myself to be more on the social conservative leaning side, I don't advocate for for bullying. If someone is transgender or they're gay or whatever, if someone is picking on them unprovoked, I'm going to stand up for them and say, hey, asshole, leave them alone. Right. You know, but just because you choose a certain lifestyle, you know, and transgenders make up, you know, less than 1% of the population, we're supposed to reorganize, you know, millions of years of gender roles and biology just to, you know, appease, right. you know, that small category, you know, and just reorganize society based around, you know, you know, two or three million people. It, right. it just doesn't make sense. It just... If you guys want to know what we're talking about, look at the fight that Fallon Fox did. She broke two female skulls. And if you guys don't even, like, if you're not pissed seeing that fight, then you have a fucking problem because that was brutal. Well, you know what it, I mean? here, here's a better example. My, my favorite female boxer of all time, her name was Lucia Riker. And she was a badass. She she was a multi uh, weight class champion in boxing and in Muay Thai kickboxing. And she uh, challenged a male in the same weight class as her to fight in a kickboxing match. Correct. And yeah. the first and the, the 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 first round was actually pretty competitive. Like she was landing some shots and had good technique. But then once the guy started landing his shots, she looked like she was getting hurt a lot more. And by the third round, she got knocked out. Right. Right. And, and Lucia Riker is one of the best female fighters of all time. Right. And, and the guy that she fought, 
he wasn't even a champion. He was like a mid-level fighter. Right. And, and, and another fighter is Amanda Nunez is another one where um, Joe Rogan even said that he, he can probably whip his ass. But you guys have to think about it. This is skills. Okay. This is years of training the female body to to be able to compete in these sports. Yes. You can't just expect my little ass to start fist fighting Randall. Okay. It's I'm not going to win because I'm built smaller. I'm more smaller than I, I accepted that, by the way. And like, <clears throat> I, I can't compete. I can't fist fight Gina Carano or, or anything like that. And I, I accepted that. And, uh, this is my depressive realism coming into, into play. <laughs> but like, you know, it's like, think about it. I mean, it's not a bad thing. You know what I mean? If you want equality. Okay. I totally understand. Like with going to work and stuff like that, being able to compete in sports and stuff like that. I totally agree. But you guys, you have to understand if you're a trans woman, you used to be a, a male, so you are a male transitioning to a female. You have an advantage to smaller females and stuff like that because men are built to hunt because that's their their evolutionary um, uh, transformation that they did because they were hunters, right? The men were the hunter-gatherers. So that passed on to you and pretty much all the men that you see. And so they're built a lot stronger than females. And we're not, see, Randall and I were not saying that you can't do MMA. You can't do Muay Thai or anything like that. But you, you got to keep it into your category. If this is just my opinion, I believe there should be a separate category. You know what I mean? Because it's just not fair. Like the Equality Act. I don't have much information about well, that. Do you, do you know about the Equality Act, Randall? That one that just um, passed? I don't have information about that, what it is. But I'm pretty sure it has something uh, to do with sports. Oh, too. oh, um. If, if I recall correctly, and I could be wrong, is I also think that it extends to the workplace as well, right. where you can't discriminate against a, a worker who wants to identify as a different gender. I mean, and, right. and mm-hmm. you know, with that, I honestly don't really care. Like, hey, if a guy can do his job and he says that, you know, he wants to be called Miss or whatever, I mean, that doesn't really, I mean, as long as it doesn't get in, you know, in the way of them doing their their work. That's different, but whenever we're talking about contact sports, right? Then it matters. Sports. It matters. You know, but, what I mean, but you know, and, and to you know, I know that we've been talking about you know men being right. you know biologically pre you know predisposed to be more you know uh, physically stronger than right. women, but 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 women also have some biological advantages over men. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize is that in the USSR they actually. Uh, preferred female snipers over male snipers because wow. women, b- because women have larger bladders, they can they have to take you know fewer bathroom breaks on average, and women uh, can bear long term pain better than men. So um, there's many studies out there that says that men can handle short term intense bursts of pain better than women. Right. But when but whenever you're talking about long term intense pain, women tend to handle it better. So when you're a sniper, you have to sit in one position for hours on end without moving a muscle. Right. And the old Soviet Union discovered that, you know, women's uh, physiology uh, was actually better for them to be snipers than uh, most of the the male snipers. And it makes sense because women have to endure pregnancy for nine months. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they're in, they're in labor for hours at a time. So it makes sense why their pain thresholds would be wired different than, than men. 
So mm-hmm. there you go. Women score for the women. Mark that on, on the, <laughs> the uh, chalkboard. We're even yeah. now. See, you know, for the last few minutes, you know, we've been talking about the advantages of being a man. Well, there you go. There's one for the women. So now all the men can be triggered. <laughs> and it, it, it's just, you know, and, and like, and I said this many times, you know, um, life is like video game. Choose your character. Okay, there's always an advantage because if you're a lot bigger, you're a lot more slower. If you're smaller, you're a lot more weaker, but at the same time, you're a lot more faster. That's why a lot of people like uh, basketball players who are short as well, because they're so fast. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> that's I, I feel like our, our um, I'm talking about the United States. I'm not talking about um, in any other countries in particular, right. but. Here in America the United States, yeah, America, we're so fucking privileged that we complain about practically everything that we don't. We yes. see so many issues as is, and, and like I said, we can go back to depressive realism. Maybe everybody's just depressed as realist. I don't know, but for me, I I accept reality as is. That you know, I'm built the way that I am, and that I I totally understand that I'm a woman. But at the same time, I'm very happy with my feminine qualities. You know, what I mean that I'm able to have a baby because when I was pregnant, um. It was pretty shitty. I had like a lot of heartburns and stuff like that. But when I gave birth, it was like the most beautiful thing that I I I, I enjoy it. And I, if I can do it again, I I totally would. And like um uh my husband, he didn't like it because it was like really disgusting <laughs> to, to, to him because of the you know. Uh, and he was like, uh, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this again. But I enjoyed, even though I was in severe pain. Um, it was very painful. Um, it was like, um, ladies, if you're listening to this and you want to be a mommy, uh, the labor part is going to hurt like a fucking bitch. But like, but the the beauty the beauty of it is that I was carrying a human being. You know what I mean? And for, from somebody that I love, and like it's it's a beautiful feeling to have. You know what I mean? I, and I feel like that's lost in our current society, especially when it comes to like dating and stuff like that between men and women. And of course, you know, you're mixing two sexes together. And then you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, of course, you're going to start comparing yourself to other people. And like this whole feminist ideology today here in the United States, I'm not talking, I'm talking about in particular the West. Um, I'm not talking about like in Saudi Arabia or Pakistan or Afghanistan or right. anything like that, because those women are treated unfairly and it's injustice in that area. But here in the United States, come on, as a woman, you're well, pretty, pretty well. And just like you said, fathers, fathers, right. You know what I mean? Especially like in courts here in, in California. You know what I mean? The mom wins oh, yeah. majority of the time. But go ahead. Wait. Well, and, and, and in California, too, you have lifetime alimony. So for all the ladies out there, if you marry a guy and you're with him for at least seven years and he makes more money than you, then he has to pay you alimony until the day you die. What about females? And, what about the opposite? What if she makes more money? Do you know? I don't I don't have I don't know. Uh, here. Well, I mean, uh Technically, a man could sue a woman for alimony as well, but you know the family law courts, aka the divorce courts, they operate under what's called discretionary law. So um, the judge is definitely going to look down on you. You know, a- as a man, they're going to be like, really, like you're going to let a woman, you know, pay you alimony for the rest of your life. And you know, Tom Arnold, who uh, divorced uh, Roseanne Barr, mm-hmm. um, you know. She has to pay him alimony, you know, for life because they, Even they Adele, got divorced. Yeah. And, Adele as well, the yeah, singer Adele. So, yeah. So, so some high-profile women are getting caught up, and it's only because that it's starting to affect women, like Halle Berry, for example. She's all over social media saying how 
uh, child support and alimony or extortion. But you never heard a woman saying that, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. But right. now the courts are finally starting to adjust the laws. But, you know, women don't seem to care about male issues until it mm-hmm. affects them and vice versa, to be honest. I mean, so right. um, if the draft came to women, you know, because men have to sign up for the Selective Service Act. And if you don't, there's all kinds of punishments that are waiting for us. Right. But you know, if women were suddenly subject to that, they would be protesting to call for the ending of that. But because it doesn't affect them, they could care less. But now that these alimony laws are starting to affect women and be enforced, oh, now they're, they're starting they're to protest against that. Yes, I totally I mean, agree. And in my brain, OK, feminism movement, I'm, I'm talking about the first wave. You know, if you want equality. You know, you, you kind of have to understand that with men, they have different rules. Okay. You can see this in prison. When a man say, don't touch my shit, he means don't touch my shit. Whereas with women, when we tell each other, don't touch my shit, but you know, it's like, that's not how the male brain works. Well, I I, want to interrupt you real quick and talk about first wave feminism. So let's talk about, uh, you know, suffrage, you know, the, the, Mm -hmm. the women's right to vote. Uh, did you know that there were groups of women who did not support suffrage and they did not want um, women to be able to vote? Right. Yeah. Because originally, that. originally, in order to vote, you had to also um, swear some sort of uh, duty or volunteer service to your government, whether that was joining a volunteer firefighting service or signing up for a military draft. That used right. to be the requirements. So the early suffrage movement, women were concerned that if they got the right to vote, they would also have to take on those male only responsibilities of having to join a volunteer firefighting service or signing up for a potential military draft. So a lot of women were freaking out, but then they amended the rule and said, oh, well, you know, you ladies can vote, but you don't have to have the male responsibilities that come with it of joining mm-hmm. the firefighting uh, forces or the military. And they're like, oh, shoot. OK, now we're OK. We're cool with it now. Yeah. Just like you said, when it starts affecting them, then it uh, they they change their mind. So my like I said, my mindset's a little bit different. <clears throat> I believe like when it comes to war, for example, this is why China's going to whip our ass is that <laughs> with with men and women, I believe Everybody should be trained for war just in case people from Mars. I agree. I actually agree yeah, with that. Like, okay, because, agree. okay, for example, th- this is just hypothetically speaking with a sense of humor to it. What if Elon Musk, okay, did invade Mars? <laughs> like he goes on Mars, right? And then the aliens get pissed off and then we go to war. You Would you, like, you can't just depend on mail for war because, okay, so during World War II and stuff like that, majority of our men went and served time so the women went into the factories and they started working <clears throat> in my personal opinion i'm kind of like uh francis knows this uh uh we talked about it with in, in his podcast podcast episode where um i believe that everybody should be trained for war like n- not necessarily like everybody like a baby that's not what i'm saying but like like with them uh, when they're grown everybody should be trained for combat one way or another yes yeah, like like here in the here in the United States of America, we're pretty spoiled. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're like, oh, yeah. when we run a mile, we're like, oh my god, the world is ending. Oh fuck the patriarchy. You know, it's like it's just not the same. Yeah. Like like me, I believe every woman, every man and woman should know how to use a gun. Every man and woman should be able to fight hand to hand combat, martial art, muay thai, and stuff like that. Because in order to protect the nation, you know what I mean, from evasion, whatever it's alien. Okay, UFOs, or if it's from China or anybody that goes to war, because of you know, I don't know about the military, how big the military is. I'm pretty sure ours is huge, but at the same time, um, we do have men and women that serve. But majority of the time, guess who goes in and kills Bin Laden and stuff like that? It's men that goes in because they're well, like, well, well people don't people don't realize that like ninety percent of military jobs are non combat, right? Right. And uh, what is it that no. the, the statistics? Um, uh, I think Joe Rogan talks about it, um, where majority of the uh, the military industrial complex, it hires majority of women. So women are the one that's dropping the bombs and stuff like that behind the scene. From my understanding, that's what I think it is, where they employ them. Um, they're not it's not necessarily. Well, go ahead. Well, uh, the, the Air Force, which is, you know, nicknamed the Chair Force because uh, a lot of their job, <laughs> a lot of a lot of their a lot of their jobs, they, they do it remotely on a computer. Like a lot of these drones are controlled by remote operators and the Air Force has the most female recruits than all the other branches. Right. Right. Because totally they use agree. their minds more than their bodies. They can you know, multitask. And- yeah. Women can multitask. Pretty good. Well, but, but going yeah. back to your point of, of women knowing women knowing how to defend themselves and their countries, look at uh, Israel, you know, the right. IDF. Mm-hmm. Um, women also are subject uh, to mandatory military training in I Israel. I agree with that. I agree um, with that. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing in, uh, in, in some other countries. I, I, I think that there's seven countries that make women do mandatory military service. Now, some South people Korea, may... I think, mm-hmm. South Korea is what no, I think not, no, 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 no. South Korea does. Yeah. Uh, North Korea, I think maybe, but not South Korea. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, so some people may be saying that I'm contradicting myself, saying, "Oh, didn't you just say earlier that you know men should be the protectors and all those things?" Yes, you know, I do think that uh, you know men are better equipped to be protectors. But like you said earlier, in the case that a man is not uh, available or that or that you know he can't right. provide adequate uh, protection, you know, a, a, a woman has to be able to step up and have those skills. Same thing for a man. Even mm-hmm. though a man is supposed to have all these masculine qualities, sometimes he has to uh, use some of his feminine qualities, especially if he's a, a single dad. Right. Raising a little girl, he can't just be masculine all the time. Sometimes he has to uh, tune into his femininity to raise his daughter. So sometimes we do. Sometimes we do have to flip that switch and sort of tap in to our our alter ego of the masculine and feminine. But, you know, uh, in those cases. Yes, if there was an alien invasion, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm going to tell my mom to pick up a gun <laughs> and, and my yeah. sister and anybody, you know. I don't, it's so like um, the Mars, I, I, the, yeah. so like, so but, you know, uh, a woman can learn martial arts and she can get military right. training and still be feminine. You know, she can still, uh, you know, uh, be very uh, respectful and wear dresses and, and makeup and, right. and be, you know, and be uh, have her her princess mode or, or whatever. And that's a misconception, too, that if a woman knows how to 
defend herself, then she's automatically this this uh, masculine lesbian who right you know, right. It, it, you know, doesn't respect men and she's a feminist and she's a man hater. Right. That's not always the case. So, so we do have to be nuanced in our conversation. Right. Right. And so, um, so going back to martial arts, um, I'm a very big fan of Kung Fu movies. Um, I don't know if you, you like Kung Fu mm. movies. Oh yeah. Um, so when I was growing up, a majority of the Kung Fu movies that I watch a lot of majority of time, women were in there as well. So I don't see the world as the feminist let's let's be let's be more particular white feminists like i don't see the world that they do yeah. you know what i mean because i grew up watching kung fu movies so um you remember that movie iron monkey you remember uh oh uh, yeah oh, okay. i love that movie that <laughs> i love yeah best fat, yeah best fucking movie ever so remember the little boy that that's an actress guys that's a female that's playing a little boy she played a male character because the fact that they couldn't find anybody that was skilled for that p- position because the majority of the boys were, were grown too big. So they needed a character that was small and fast and quick. So they chose a female actress to portray a boy. So I don't know if anybody knew that. But now that female is a cop, by the way. She works for the Hong Kong Police Department. So it's like being able to um, tap into your feminine and masculine energy. It's a healthy thing. Um, and I, I believe like this fucking fourth wave clown fest or whatever it is, it's really, really fucking up our girls. You know what I mean? It's really destroying our, our, our female qualities because I don't see the, I don't see feminine as a disgusting thing or anything like that. Because, um, if you look at the Greeks, for example, they, majority of like, like Apollo's sister, I forgot her name, Athena, Athena is a good example. She was, a uh, she was Apollo's twin, I believe. I hope that <laughs> Francis is going to get mad at me. Um, <laughs> she was a warrior. She was a goddess of a war, basically. So she pretty much like Mars. He was he was a god of war as well. So the Greeks and stuff they they understood that masculine and feminine thing. Like we're, we're, we're Randall and I are not telling you to stop serving or anything like that because when we're talking about the military in particular, um, the the protector of you know, the man being protector, we're talking about the family union. We're not talking about so if with protecting the nation is a little bit different. I believe everybody should protect the nation, whereas the family unit, the first one in line to protect, pretty much is the men, right? You know, what I mean, it's like, and then the first line to protect the offspring who is who, the mother, because who who you know when you give birth is not the the male they see first, it's the female because we have the equipment to feed our offspring. You know what I mean? With breast milk and stuff like that. So, of course, it's going to be the, the female that's going to protect first. If you watch Ice Age, I'm sorry, I'm bringing Ice Age into this. In the beginning of the film, yeah, I don't, do you remember Ice Age? The, the, when it first yeah, came out? Yeah. Okay. The so, animated movie. Yeah, yeah. The animated movie. Yeah. It's a cute movie. I love that movie. If you guys know, notice in the beginning, who protected the baby when the village was attacked? It was the mom. The mom sacrificed herself. By getting killed by these, I believe, these saber-toothed tigers. And so because uh, to give you guys a little bit of context, if you guys don't watch Ice Age, basically the hunters were hunting the saber-toothed tigers and the tigers came back and attacked the village. And so the mom took her baby and then she put the baby in the river and got killed by the saber-toothed. Then the father went and go look for his offspring and he raised the baby. This is what me and Randall are talking about. You know what I mean? You have to make sacrifices for your um family union you know what i mean <laughs> like i would well, definitely well and, and go ahead 
well, one thing that people don't talk about too is we talk about the 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 benefits of, of feminism, where it allowed women to Get to choose. Well, to choose an alternative lifestyle where not every woman wants to have kids, not every woman wants to be a stay-at-home mom. They want to have a career and go make a name for themselves in the world, you know, whatever. And that's completely, you know, fine. Like I believe that we're all free individuals, but there were some, you know, some side effects as well. I mean, think about this. Uh, if you have a two-parent home where both parents are, are working, then more than likely that kid is being raised by a stranger, AKA daycare. And that child is not being breastfed. They're given formula. Whereas for millions of years, the woman stayed behind and she breastfed the child and she nurtured the child during his developmental years. And then the father was out hunting and, and protecting and then, you know, th- th- there were these clear roles where, hey, I'm the man and I'm going to do, th- you know, this list of things and you're the right. woman and you're going to do these this list of things. And that worked for millions of years. Mm-hmm. But now we live in this uh, in this new age where we have money and an economy and we have mortgages and all these things. And like you said, whenever men went off to war during World War Two. The women were left behind and they still had bills to pay. So they're like, well, I guess we got to go in the factories and do our husband's jobs. Mm-hmm. And then once the husbands came back, the women were kind of like, hey, we, we sort of enjoy earning our own money and being uh, more autonomous. And we don't have to ask you for, for money all the time. We can pay for it ourselves. So right. it, it was slightly it was empowering for women. And there were some good things that came that came out of it. But there were some definite uh, negative things, too. So for all the women out there who give up their careers to stay home, mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to, to raise their children, even if just for a couple of years, even if just for the, the, the first two or three years of the child's life so that they can breastfeed and, mm-hmm. and nurture the child, whatever. I, like, I give my hats off uh, to those women and to those fathers as well, mm-hmm. um, because um, splitting that income and not having a, a two income household also increases the, the, the stress, but it's just so hard to navigate all this nowadays. Like society is so complex. It's like a damn Rubik's cube. How do we get the, the, the things that worked from the past and keep it, but then also progress and evolve into what we're dealing with in this new age. It's a very tough balancing act. It is. And um, when I was, <clears throat> I was working too uh, before I was pregnant, but I, I, I stayed home and raised my little boy. And then I went back to work um, uh, when he was like three years old. And so it, I, I sit home and I didn't have any income or anything like that. I should start podcasting by then. But the thing is, is that um, just like I told you earlier about uh, uh, farming, and stuff like that you see a lot of these people in other countries uh especially like in cambodia for example so like i said men and women are out in the rice field together and if a woman have a baby she rests for a little bit then she takes the baby and put the baby in the comma and then wrap the baby and the baby breastfeed right there while she's picking rice you know That's with true. her husband and i don't mind doing that you know what i mean I, I like doing that i like being able to like hold my baby near me and i'm still near him you know he's six years old and i'm still near him but i don't want to baby him too much where he's like you know depending on me and, and make mama's boys 
Okay. Yes. Mommy boys. <laughs> it's a very good, good conversation to have. Like uh, my, my brother, he's 22, I believe this year, no, 21. And he's a mommy's boy. He's the youngest one in the family. So I have, I have seven brothers and sisters. I'm the middle child. So that's why I'm fucked up. And so like my, my little brother, he's mommy's boy. He's with mom at all times. And I, <laughs> so that's a whole entire different story. Of course, you hear daddy's girl, you hear mommy's girl, you hear it's basically people our generation nowadays, Gen Z, I believe that's what they are. They're so attached to this authoritative figure that they don't want to leave. It, does that make sense? I'm not saying the authority per se is more somebody that spoils them. You know what I mean? Like, well, our, to, right? to, we, we, we live in a record number of single parent homes nowadays. Like, mm-hmm. Um, studies show that a child is more likely to grow up with a long-term family pet than to have a, you know, two-parent home. Mm-hmm. And more, more specifically, fathers. I mean, there there are women who are paying child support out there. There are single dads out there, but but the majority of the time, we you know we have a lot more you know single mothers and. We were talking about the the bonding aspect as well. Like some mm-hmm. people ask, you know, why are there so many, you know, single fathers or why is it easier for a man or a father to walk away from his family? Well, you, you have to think about this. Uh, a baby grows inside of a woman for nine months. Mm-hmm. So whenever the baby comes out, she has this instant bond, whereas the man has been outside of that sphere the entire time. So his bonding process is different. So my advice to the ladies out there is while you are pregnant, make sure that you're inviting, um, you know, your, your husband or your partner to, you know, to rub your stomach and to try to bond with that, right. that fetus as much as they can. So that whenever it does come out, the, the, the father is feeling some sort of uh, connection but, you know, all these people are, are, are having one night stands nowadays. Right. And, you mm-hmm. know, they're having, uh, you know, babies outside of, uh, you know, marriage. long-term mm-hmm. commitments, you know, like marriage and things like that. And, and you know, the government is subsidizing it. I mean, right. uh, if, you're sing- if you're a single mother, all you have to do is give the government the name of the man that got you pregnant and they'll put him on child support and go after him and then they'll give you all these benefits, you know, section eight, free housing, free housing. You know, food mm-hmm. stamps, you know, all these kind of things. But then now the father is turned into a criminal where it's like, Hey, uh, you got to pay this woman X amount of money. And if you can't, then we're going to throw you in jail. And then for right. the fathers who can pay it, they, they He's struggle broke. or they, they have struggle. to work. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. And then for the men who can't pay it, they become fugitives and they just go from state to state and just always on the run working cash jobs under the table. And then some people will criticize them and say, well, if you want to be in your kid's life, then, you know, why don't you go to court and fight for it? Well, the the average attorney fees that a man will spend to get 50, 50 custody is around $30,000. And, I don't know many people that have $30,000 just to throw away on, on some legal battles when they could be using that for food and rent. Right on, right. on top of still having to pay 
the child support. So while you're going to all these court battles, trying to, you know, get this custody agreement, you're still having to pay child support in the interim. And if you don't, then you go to jail. So Mm -hmm. we have this weird system where instead of encouraging people to stay together, like back in the old days, 50, 60 years ago, if you got divorced, it was a very shameful thing. And people looked at you like, oh, my God, like, like, oh, mm-hmm. well, what kind of you know person are you like? You've got a divorce. But now people have these things called divorce parties. I, I see them what? all the time in downtown. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. So it, Damn. if you come to Nashville, uh, Nashville is a uh, sort of a, uh, a party city. It's nicknamed Music City. But you see all these women wearing these T-shirts with all their girlfriends uh, drunk, you know, throwing up in the streets. And they're wearing this, you know, these shirts that says, I just got divorced. They're like, yeah, girl, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm divorced now. And they're looking for a hookup and they're getting drunk. And, you know, 50, 60 years ago, that kind of behavior would have been extremely frowned upon and people would, would have looked at them like they were some kind of, you know, uh, crazy person. But now we, we celebrate these things. Like have, have you seen these uh, slut walks? Are you familiar with no, that? No, no. I, I, whoa, what, <laughs> what? So am I living in so under a rock or something? <laughs> the, these, these feminists come up with this, this thing called the slut walk and they have them in pretty much every major city in, in America. And all these women just like walk through the street. Um, some of them even are naked and, and they just, you know, uh, hold these signs saying I'm a slut. And they're like, we're taking back the word and we're empowering ourselves. And I'm just like, Jesus, are you, are you, are you kidding me? What? That is crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, if you don't believe me, Google it, you know, slut walk, you know, I'm and gonna have to like, it, I'm it's gonna a real thing. Up. And, and I, I've actually went to a, a feminist protest and they get angry when you tell them, hey, um, what do you think about Muslim women not being allowed to drive in Saudi Arabia? And they're like, well, that's their culture. We can't judge them. <laughs> so like liberals have this really weird thing where it's like they can criticize straight white males. They can criticize Christianity. They can criticize everything. But if you're a person of color or you're a Muslim, then like whatever you do is like, well, that's that's their culture. We have to respect that. It's like it's very picky choosy. You can't. This is what I, I talked about earlier. The, the argument that I brought up, the rules, you can't. It's like you make rules for men and then you expect them to follow it. But when it comes to women, it's a little bit different. You bend the rules. I'm pretty sure. That women serve a little less uh, sentencing in comparison to a man if a man does it. Man does it. I mean, if a woman serial kills oh, yeah. a, but, a bunch of men, I'm pretty sure she'd be celebrated as a feminist icon. You know what I mean? Like, for example, American Horror Story. I used to watch it. I don't watch it anymore. There was a, a series where they talk about the election and stuff like that. So they had this feminine uh, uh, person, and it's, it's played by this disgusting person. I've got her name, but she's really gross. Uh, uh, I think her name's something with Dunham. Uh, I don't know her name. Her it's something with Dunham. And so she, there was a scene where they were bashing men, and a, a lot of these men were like saying sorry and stuff like that. And they, uh, 
kill this particular dude and they um his genitals were all over the place and they like rearrange it it was disgusting I, I, it was disgusting i stopped watching american horror story after that and like if a man does it like jack the ripper for example when he murder emulate those prostitutes back in the 1800s in london you know could you imagine men celebrating that shit in comparison to women when they you know mutilate a man it's it's just you can't I just I don't I don't know I just really don't like hypocrisy and contradictions so like and I totally understand you know I'm not I'm not a perfect person I'm pretty sure my arguments have holes in it and then pretty sure somebody will point it out in the future but I just don't see that you're attacking the the, the masculine thing I mean it's it's like um this is why uh, Jordan Peterson got really popular because a lot of men they feel lost you know what I mean they do like what the fuck is going on I don't, well, I don't even know you know I, Go ahead. I I always tell young men I mean. You know, women women can watch this movie that I'm about to recommend too because there's a lot of universal life lessons. But specifically for men, they should all watch Fight Club. Oh, um, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, Fight that, Club. That, yeah. That, that is one of that is one of the greatest movies ever, ever. made. Yeah. And and uh and, and it's sort of like the Matrix. The more times that you watch it the more of the philosophical undertones that you pick up in the movie and you can really dissect it because I, I'm a huge movie buff. Right. And whenever I watch movies, I, I try to pick up on, on like what the message the director is trying to send to the audience. But the first time that you watch the matrix, you're just paying attention to all the special effects and all the cool fight scenes. But after you watch it two or three times, you start seeing the philosophy of the red pill and the blue pill and same right. thing in fight club. You know, whenever you, you watch fight club, you just think it's cool because it has all these like, you know, like fantastic sort of, you know, violent scenes and this guy's like kind of going crazy and it's really entertaining. But that movie is literally about a guy trying to get in touch with his masculinity and right. trying mm-hmm. to conquer his it's like fear shadow. of death. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, he's trying to discover his masculinity, conquer his fear of death, and then ultimately find purpose in living. And right. that is the great war that we're facing right now, because like he says in that movie, you know, there are no great wars uh, to fight. There is no World War II. There, there are no uh, big battles to face because life has gotten so easy in so many ways because of technology that we're all sort of just fat and comfortable and we're happy with just watching Netflix and, and masturbating to pornography right. and eating McDonald's. Right. Right. And, and, and <clears throat> I talk about, I talk with V, uh, V is a YouTuber and um, we were doing a live stream talking about masculinity and a lot of people are really kind of happy that they, they, they heard a female understanding their perspective and look i'm not trying to be on magtow side or anything like that i just see reality as is and like um being connected to both your yin and yang within you will make you such a better person that to the point where you just feel happier you feel more content um you feel and you start attracting the good people into your life that has reached that that um so basically you're saying like a spiritual crisis that people are having at the moment right like a existential crisis and um fight club is perfect is a perfect example of that and it's a perfect example of young psychology dealing with your shadow as well and it's, it's a really good movie guys um they were about to make a a female version of that which i was like what Oh, I didn't hear about this. <laughs> yeah, they they wanted to make like a female version of everything. 
which is fucking ridiculous. But it's just like keep the character. You know, I mean, I, I five clips just just stick to it. it's like it's original. Well, one, our, you know? earlier earlier you mentioned uh, you know MGTOW, you know men going their own yeah. way, MGTOW. You know, yeah. um, I I got divorced. You know, I got married when I was in my early twenties. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, I wasn't Mm -hmm. really prepared for it, and you know, and um, a lot of things happened from you know, I lost a lot of money and different Mm -hmm. things, and uh, and for a while, I sort of got on that that MGTOW train of where I was like, oh man, you know, uh, everything is women's fault and this and this, but uh, you know, it's really more of the Western. Uh, woman like you you're you know uh, talking about earlier mm-hmm. if you go to Cambodia Ukraine Russia Philippines all these kind of places the women there are very tough and hardworking, but they're still feminine it's mm-hmm. really more of a western sort of uh, presence where you have these women that are just uh, very you know vile but it's not just the women too the, the the western man is also you know pretty pathetic and a lot of these MGTOW guys most of them make a lot of really good points about the mm-hmm. problems in Western dating and the Western sort of divorce courts and marriage system. Right, right. But I feel that many of them go so far to where it's almost like they are the feminazis, you know, kind of like these hardcore feminists. <laughs> yeah. Where they yeah. Literally, where they literally hate women. And I'm like, hold on, hold on a second. Like, I, I was on that train for a second after my divorce, just because I was angry, but then, mm-hmm. I, but then I calmed down and everything. And I was like, hold on. Like I have a mother and I have a sister and especially my sister, she's a really good woman and she mm-hmm. grew up in America and she was raised right. And she's not doing a lot of these things that you guys are complaining about. So even though the I- ideology, just like feminism has some gems of truth in there and you should definitely study it and pick up on it, but it can definitely get cultish just like any other ideology. And you have to be careful to not get sucked in to this uh, point to where you're literally hating someone. Right. Don't become nihilistic. And I I have made the argument many times that the the problem that we have and people are like, Oh, it's patriarchy and stuff like that. uh, It's nihilism. Uh, This is men and women. Uh, because the fact that it's just like a lot of these movements and stuff, which is a good thing with the civil rights movement with African Americans and so forth and with the women's suffrage oh, yeah. that helped people, uh, women vote and stuff like that. But at the same time, we have to understand that our um, we are starting to be, become to the point where it's like egotistical as well. We're like, you know, I'm not going to yes. do anything for this person because the fact that I'm not going to get anything out of it. And, and that's pretty toxic, uh, by the way, if you do that. I mean, <clears throat> especially like with this. um this whole thing about relationship and a lot of single men come to me and, and tells me, and, you know, I'm really frustrated. I like watching um, Bella Daphne and stuff like that and, and masturbating to this woman because they're fake. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not, you know, they, they, it's like, they're avoiding uh, just like my uh, uh, Peter Pan. They want to grow up. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's both men and women. Uh, to me, I feel like it's immature. Like this whole thing about like divorce port- parties and stuff like that. I wouldn't be happy. You know, I mean, I'd be heartbroken. No, you know, it's well, not if, if, funny at all. well, well, it, well, if they, if, you know, it's an abusive, abusive relationship. I mean, if a man or a woman are, were in a very abusive marriage and they leave it, I, I totally understand the party. Okay. But, you know, it's like, if it's like, you know, you screwed him over with money and stuff like that and then destroy his life, I don't think that's something that you should celebrate because it's the fact that, you know, in the end, both of you kind of got fucked. 
in the process. And so yeah. it's a learning experience, but I wouldn't fucking celebrate it. It's immature in my personal opinion. I wouldn't even do a slut walk or anything like that. You know, I never consider myself a feminist at all. I never really like a lot of when I was like in university, like a lot of these feminist movement, like they wanted to like recruit me and stuff like that because I'm a brown person. But like, I never really, I, I live in a free country. You know what I mean? Like, I I want to go to work, my own business, have my family, have my pretty much like a conservative talking point. You know what I mean? And I really enjoy yeah. that. I really enjoy that that whole dynamic of a female and male dynamic, a duo, like the yin and yang. You know what I mean? I really enjoy that 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 too. And I really don't want to split my my orderly half away from me. You know what I mean? Because I'm a very chaotic person as is. And um, my other, I'm a, I'm a fucking train wreck. And if I lose my other half, <laughs> bye-bye train you know what i mean and so it's okay i i believe like people are like ashamed to admit that they need help or they, they they need somebody which in reality we all need each other in one way or another and this is go this is going to move to another topic that i wanted to like um get to before i let you go um you talked about uh, i listened to all your podcast episode by the way i caught up so oh, wow. uh, yeah so um you talked about uh, with Francis too. You talk about uh, Mio Yomo. Uh, I think his name is um, the Book of Five. Oh, Swords. you're talking about uh, the Book of Five. Miyamoto Musashi, the, yeah. the Book of Five Rings, and yeah, the, the Art book, of yeah. Walking Alone. Yeah. So he talks about ground. He talks about water. He talks about fire. He talks about wind and void. So I'm going to break up the uh, five, the four oath. I think you talked about this, but you didn't remember in that episode what you did with Francis. And um, the first one is never be late with respect the way of the warrior. Two, be useful to the Lord. Three, be respectful to your partners. Three, uh, four, actually, give beyond love and grief. Exit good for, I believe it's harmony or humanity humankind exit good for humankind so i wrote that down um i don't even know who he is my friend lydia talked about it in her 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 live streams um that she does um and if you, she does after she's done with temple work for temple for like all day she comes home and she does this little podcasting that she does on her ig she talks about the uh, uh, this particular uh, philosopher and she told me this she's like you know you are like a warrior you should read this and i'm like i am not like a warrior because if i get a paper cut i'm done <laughs> I'm done it's not the same and this philosophy that a lot of people are like um not just men in particular but women as well i think with women they're so spoiled that they don't know how to uh when it comes to hardship they're like i'm a victim right away it's the patriarchy like wait a minute they it's this is what happens when you spoil yourself you know what i mean and and it's like go ahead you know i want to tell you a story so there was a time where after my divorce i ended up homeless for a little while and i'm sorry about that you know Mm -hmm. I was too prideful to, you know, go to family and ask for help. I was embarrassed. And I remember I went into a shopping mall and I was in the food court and I just kind of like lost touch with my emotions for a second. And I started to cry Mm -hmm. and I was in public and it was really embarrassing. And the security guards got concerned and they kicked me out. Right. But then I thought to myself, you know, Whenever I worked, you know, security and I've worked in, you know, uh, retail environments, I've literally seen the same thing happen. Um, but w- but whenever a woman cries, you know, in public, people run to her aid and are like, uh, hey, darling, are you OK? What can I do for you? Everyone's looking to protect her and help right. her. But 
you know, so if a man, you know, cries or he needs help, most people just look at him and say, hey, go work harder. You know, you're, right. you're a guy like, you know, go, you know, go do your thing. And that's why Miyamoto Musashi is actually very revered in the MGTOW community um, because he, he was sort of the ultimate uh, MGTOW. Like at one point in his life, he met the woman of his dreams and he really loved her. And yeah. in his in, in some of his writings, he talked about, you know, um, sleeping under a tree because he was pretty much a homeless guy that traveled the country, you know, engaging in these sword fights but he would dream about her you know there was whole novels written about Miyamoto Musashi where he he dreamed of this woman but he he didn't decide to go his own way uh and not get married he never had any biological children not because he hated women or he thought that that you know women were were toxic or you know he actually loved and adored you know women but (laughs) his rationale was a man specifically, a warrior, should follow their purpose f- first and foremost. And his purpose in life was to become the greatest swordsman who ever lived. Right. And right. that was and- his top priority. And, and he realized that in order to love someone, you have to be able to give them a huge chunk of yourself. And he just wasn't prepared to do that. And he respectfully you know, walked, walked away. It wasn't about hating women or, or hating uh, relationships, but it was about being true to yourself and to your calling. And uh, he, he was half crazy, but half genius. And yeah. if you ever feel depressed, if you ever feel depressed or lonely, I mean, read his, his, uh, his manuscript, which is only like three pages long, but it's called the art of walking alone, his rules for living life as right. a, you know, a lone person. I mean, he, right. he was a pretty extraordinary character. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely agree with that. And and of course you hear women too, that have no kids or anything like that. They walk, they walk the oh, walk yeah. and they have no kids and it takes a lot of discipline. Like I'm a fucking train wreck. I need somebody to like choo-choo train and take charge sometimes, you know what I mean? And it's okay to ask for well, help. You know what I mean? Go ahead. I, I, I'll tell you about this woman that I admire her name mm-hmm. is uh, Ginger, Ginger Gentile, mm-hmm. and she made a documentary called Erased Families, and it was about uh, mothers and fathers who, you know, both got screwed in their divorces, and, you know, they got alienated away from the other parent. You know, the child got brainwashed, and then the other parent got forced out of the family, and she went all around the country just interviewing mothers and fathers who were basically forced out of their children's life through divorce but uh but ginger i've talked to her a lot you know just through my advocacy of you know changing these laws and and i think that there should be you know default 50 50 you know parenting Mm -hmm. uh custody you know in cases of divorce unless there's evidence of you know like rape or child molestation or something like that but as long as both parents are mentally stable it should be default joint custody. You shouldn't have to spend money and fight for it. But Ginger, she, uh, I think she's in her late thirties or early forties. I mean, I don't want to throw her age out there, but um, she uh, never got married and she doesn't want to have children, but she still wants to, to date and be in a serious relationship and have that companionship. But she chooses to, you know, not have children because she wants to, primarily focus on her own pursuits and 
and she's upfront and honest, you know, with the, the guys that she meets and dates. And, and I really, you know, I really admire that about her and that doesn't make her uh, any less of, of, of a woman, you know, the, the average human produces about 90 pounds of trash in their lifetime. Right. So mm-hmm. by, by choosing to not have, have a child, you can say that it's environmentally friendly, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, we shouldn't shame people who want to have children because if you raise a good child and that person, you know, becomes a good person, then they can do wonderful things for humanity. So right. for mm-hmm. all the women out there who are sacrificing and not having a family of their own, I mean, they're just as badass as Miyamoto Musashi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm not that disciplined. I really like, I like babies. I'm just going to admit that. I know that sounds like a cannibal person would say. I just love babies. I love kids. No, They're so freaking adorable. I don't I, I don't give a damn if it's the child's from Africa, Japan. Babies are the shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, they're so adorable. And so I was like, with me, I, I don't regret it. Um, even though like it takes majority of my time. And my, my son's autistic as well. So mommy is there at all times, trying to mommy and daddy's, you know, trying to support him at, at all times. And so I make a lot of sacrifices. And, you know, all my friends and stuff, they, they're they're childless, don't have any kids, so they're like, you know. Um, I think about these things, but at the same time, I don't regret it because I, I feel like living a life of regret is going to make you more depressed. It's going to make your depressed, depressive oh, yeah. realism more worse. So um, I really enjoyed this discussion. I hope you guys did too. Uh, you, Randall's going to come back on. We, he and I, we went out for like an hour and a half, an hour, 35. I don't know. Um, so check out his podcast. And check and and so he's gonna make a lot of appearance as well. And we're gonna talk more about masculinity and femininity and stuff like that. This this was an open uh, conversation. I really enjoy and I really appreciate you coming on today to share your wisdom and your knowledge. And uh, before we go, what is something or what is your wisdom that you have learned in your thirty three years on this earth that you learn along the way that you want to share with the audience today? Okay, well. I'll try to, you know, keep it as short and sweet as I can. Oh, yeah, yeah, so can. I am an author. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm an author and, you know, I've, I've written several books. Um, I've been a politician. I've been married, divorced. I've, I've been a fighter in boxing and martial arts. And I've done so much in my life, but it all comes back to the most important lesson that I learned was while I was writing my very first book, and, and I believe it was in 2009. It was a book of poetry that that I published, and I remember coming across this quote. I can't remember which psychologist or philosopher said it, and it really doesn't matter. It's the words that matter. But um, to live is to su- to live is to suffer. To survive is to find meaning in the suffering. Mm-hmm. And I keep finding myself coming back to that point. If your life doesn't have purpose you've got to make some kind of purpose. Like people drive themselves crazy saying, you know, what, what's the meaning of life? Why am I here? Is Jesus the way is Buddha the way, you know, relieve yourself of that anxiety and find something to believe in and pass it on to the future. For me, it's boxing and martial arts. Like even though Mm -hmm. I do political stuff and then I've worked as a paralegal, whenever I teach my students, boxing and martial arts, kids, adults, older people. Those are the best times of my life because I'm teaching those people how to defend themselves. That, that is a life skill. Even if they never talk to me ever again, 
the skills that I showed them, they walked away with that. And even if you're not talented, even if you can't become a teacher, even if you're not good at anything, you're not particularly talented, just help people make things a little bit easier for the next guy. And then whenever you die, your goal in life should be to have as many people crying at your funeral. And the only way to do that is to be a servant to humanity. And, um, I'll leave it at that. We're not talking about a dictator, by the way. So this is totally different. No, no we're, we're, we're not talking about dictatorships or, or, or trying to, you know, to, to rule the world or force yeah. people to come to your funeral. No, right. no. Um, people want but, to come voluntary to your funeral. Yes. Yeah. You know, the, the, the more yeah. people that you help, the more good things that you do. Um, just do your best to leave behind as many right. good memories as you can in the minds of, of others, you know, be, be a good steward yeah. uh, to this world. Yeah. And, and um, be, uh, leave a legacy no matter what form it is, because we live in a very digital age. And even if it's like keeping like podcasting, YouTubing and stuff like that, I mean, everybody has something to share a uh, wisdom, even like a little, like just finding that, that wisdom in this, you know, sea of information and stuff like that. And, and hopefully this, um, his podcast and my co- my my podcast is a way for people to like learn from other people and, leave, and leaving a legacy behind. So, um, I really hope you guys enjoyed this conversation and this discussion. And uh, Randall, thank you for coming on. And um, yeah, hope you guys have a very wonderful day. And as always, guys, stay far out. Bye. Adios. <laughs>